1: Welcome into the on Inquirer podcast, and look at this guy. He's back. Isaac Trotter, back in the 24-7 sports family. And I told him, I texted him, we gotta do a pod. We haven't done a pod in so long. I, we did have the under last year of how many times you would come on the pod. But that's because you had your own gig, we were doing our own thing. So, finally, he's back. What's up, man?
2: What's up? It's good to be back. It's good to be, um, it's good to be teammates again. You know what I mean? And I think that, I think that uh, it's just, it's just so fun to be part of this again. And just to be, you know, back working with you and, in kind of a different way, but still the same old, you know what I mean? And uh, it's just been, it's been a first couple of weeks has been a little bit wild, but you know, something I was really looking forward to, and it's been even better than I expected, which is, which is awesome.
1: So tell the people what you do.
2: Okay, so I'm basically part of the national news desk for 24/7 Sports, and we kind of work with everybody. Um, Jeremy is—I'll um, give you guys the inside scoop on this. Like, Jeremy is highly regarded amongst oh. like these people at 24/7 Sports about how we go. Our, our job is to basically give use of the free stuff, so that Jeremy and guys like him who work on the team sites can dominate and do their thing and give you guys inside scoop. Um, but we don't have to do a lot of work for Illinois because Illinois has such a great team and Joey does a great job and Derek does a great job, Ryan, obviously, and Jeremy's a big part of that. And so it's, it's, my job is to basically work on there doing a lot of the breaking news. We do a lot of the stuff that um, maybe some of our publishers like Jeremy don't want to do or, or can't do. Cause they're just uh, like covered up with a lot of stuff. And it's high, it's high, um, intensity a little bit like it gets after it like the you know the slack channel gets popping and you get 90 90 notifications in a hurry it's it's high paced and and that's the way I like it and it kind of gets me back into my comfort zone and the swing of things that I really like doing and and it's been really fun early just to kind of bring my own ideas and some of these deep cut type of things that I like to do with analysis and stuff, and then also do what they need me to do. And that's been really fun.
1: Someone called you out though, the other day, um, an Illinois fan that you wrote something positive about Juwan Howard, who's done a lot of positive things at Michigan.
2: (laughs) How dare I, you you know, how dare I, you know what, one of the things is, is funny too, is that like, when you get to know some of these coaches, they're great dudes. Like Juwan Howard is a great guy. And you could hate him as an Illinois fan or maybe you just don't like his techniques or, you know, I know he had that dust up with Mark Turgeon in, in the Big Ten tournament. People didn't like that but just the type of person that he, he's a great dude. So it, it is funny, like you kind of have to write some things that maybe Illinois fans don't necessarily love. Maybe you don't want to read about Indiana football being really good and be, having their rebuild be way ahead of Illinois. Maybe you don't want to read about Jawan Howard and this recruiting class that he's gotten. But I think, uh, you know, I think that if you're, if you're doing my job, like you just have to tell it how it is, just that's just the way it is, even though uh, maybe some of the followers on Twitter might not be happy and we're not talking about anyone in specific, Trevor Belis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you kind of like, I, I don't think people understand that when you're in this job, at some point you can check that stuff at the door. Like I, I have enormous respect for Pat Fitzgerald. If my kid were a good football player, I would love for him to play for Pat Fitzgerald. Like I, and, and now B, like, Bielma has some similarities. I think those two guys are very similar, but like. I can't blame a kid for wanting to go to Northwestern to play football right now. Like what? Fits like if you were here would be. I mean, statues already, everything. Like, and he's the greatest player there, and he's now the greatest coach. It's it's an amazing thing. But like, I can I can check my history with Illinois. I went there. I rooted for them when I was younger. But like, when you get into this business, you just notice people. You just give respect to people who are really good at what they do.
2: You're, you're exactly right. That's how I feel with Indiana football. Like growing up, like Indiana was like a curse word. You know what I mean? And around like guy, all the guys that I knew, like you hate Indiana when you grow up in central Illinois. But then you see Tom Allen and you see the way he acts with his guys and the way how much his guys love him. And you see some of the videos in that locker room. It's not fake. It's very real with what they have there, their culture there. And, you know, I, I'm this, I, I can totally see what you're saying with Fitzgerald. Cause I know if I was a recruiter, my kid was a recruit, like, and Tom Allen's coming in, to my house and, and, you know, just being honest with us, with us, I'd be like, well, of course you should go there. Even though Indiana, like, you know, 10 years ago, I would have probably like hated the idea of even like talking to an Indiana fan in, in middle school.
1: Yeah. um so, All right, Isaac, let's get into, I want to talk some Illinois with you and I want to talk a little big 10 with you as well. Um, things are kind of going well here. Um, let's start with football. Would you think of that first Brett Bielema debut, uh, a win over Nebraska? I mean, the national story is Nebraska. I get that. Uh, But that was just a solid, nicely played, executed victory for Illinois. You you know, it was weird as I kind
2: of like went into that game because for the first time in a long time, I felt like I didn't know the team. And which is a weird dynamic because I know all the players, but you don't know the team because you just weren't sure what Brett Bielema was. And, you know, I think the closing of the practice is a big deal. Like we've talked about in the past, you know, Lovey Smith had his warts, but one of the big things that we both really appreciated was he opened that the camps up to us because we had a really good idea. We knew that that team in 2017 and 2018, they were not going to be very good when we saw every day, like the amount of turnovers that some of these quarterbacks are having in practice. You get to know the team in training camp we didn't get that part i didn't get to see those inside stories about that so i'm going into that game and i just i wasn't sure what to expect and i just i felt like it was a breath of fresh air for watching this that illinois team like you know i, I said competent on the story that i wrote about illinois in, in that game and it just it just was it felt like everything made sense it's like okay you have isaiah williams and luke ford so you use them so you put the ball in their hands because they're like two of the best recruits that illinois has ever got. Oh, so, you know, we we our, our system, we don't really love the idea of Isaiah Williams being a pro-style offense. So what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to go get Art Sitkowski because that makes a lot of sense backing up Brandon Peters. Hopefully you don't have to use him right away. Well, you did, and it paid off because I don't think Illinois wins that game if they have to go play Isaiah Williams in, in running that offense. Or, you know, I think we both like Matt Robinson. I just don't know if that's a good fit for what he's trying to do. I think Art makes a ton more sense. And defensively, it just, it just all worked together in such a <laughs> – bigger way and just it just made sense it's like okay we finally see like the ideas that we talk about in the press box for years or in our text threads it's like the things that we want them to do they're doing they're controlling the ball they're not making mistakes they're not turning the ball over they're not um, making penalties like I I went back and looked at the numbers two years ago when Illinois went to the bowl game they averaged over six penalties a game six last year they averaged almost five a game with a vet, veteran team. And so this year, you know, I mean, obviously it's a one-game sample size, but I thought the three penalties was a much, much, much better to where it was and just looked competent all the way around. And I don't I don't know if Illinois is going to go win eight or nine games this year. I don't expect them to win eight or nine games this year. I just feel like you have a puncher's chance, and the plan makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, like when I think of this, they use the word complimentary football a lot. Well, it felt like Rod Smith in this up-tempo offense – did it really fit what Lovey was trying to do when you're giving up that many, you know, chunks of yardage consistently? Um, and and I don't think offensively, I don't think it's going to be like the sexiest thing we're watching. Right. But, but Iowa never is Wisconsin never is Northwestern never is, but you know what they do? They, they play sound defense and, you know, when had a couple, you know, missed opportunities that Nebraska had because, you know, in coverage, they, they lost some guys and picks and all that, but they were aggressive, man. And they made a, a college quarterback think a little bit, be panicked a little bit. Like, it's it's it felt so simple but like it's just stuff lovey Smith didn't do and I, I think that explains everything about Brett Beal. every everything has a purpose everything is organized everything kind of fits together and I don't know if it'll be seven wins this year I don't I don't know if they'll you know falter at some point when they, when they play tougher teams but it just felt different in, in the way that Illinois looked competent they didn't look great at times but it just looked like a solid football team all around.
2: Well, and I think another big thing is the staff meshes together so much better, and and if you saw the plan in place there, you know. And but it's so weird because you can kind of go um, around like and kind of get a pulse for what this what this fan base feels about Illinois football right now, and the people who love Levy still have like some fodder, like, oh, Brett Milam was winning with Lovey players. Lovey brought in Johnny Newton. Lovey brought in Devin Witherspoon. What a great evaluation there and bringing them in and doing a good job there. Lovey has two guys in the pros who he recruited who might start day one, like in Nate Hobbs and Kendrick Green, and those are totally fair points. And then at the other side, you have all of these, you know, maybe Lovey haters who go, look at how much more competent this team looks and look at all of these things. And it's like each side of this puzzle can kind of have their wins that they can say from this game
1: one. Which is why? How do you go two and six last year? Like I know the COVID thing happened. I know that, but like that's what's frustrating. Or how did you lose three games in a row to end 2019? Like we overlooked that they lost nine of eleven games, right there. Like that that shouldn't have happened. Like okay, you lose Minnesota because you didn't have your quarterback. You lose against Purdue because you didn't have your quarterback, but you you shouldn't have gotten crushed like you did against Iowa. You shouldn't have been crushed like you did against Northwestern. Right? Like you weren't even competitive. Not Wisconsin.
2: Yeah. You shouldn't have been crushed by Wisconsin in week one by a freshman quarterback oh. who looked like a world beater against the defense because he knew it was coming. And, you know, we could have – that quote was out there, like the one about Frost, like, oh, we had to throw half of our game plan out. But don't we remember the other quote from Frost about Lovey's defense where, you know, throughout his career, Scott Frost was very positive about Lovey. I think they have a good relationship. But he he said, we know what they're going to run. It's no secret what they're going to run on defense. And, you know, the college game, you got to make these quarterbacks are not pros for a reason. you got to make them think. I think Ryan Walter's defense makes them think, make them question who's coming, who's dropping all of those different situations. And we saw a big deal because I do think, though, that there is some talent on the scene that Lovey and his staff did a good job of bringing. There are some yeah. talented weapons on it, but I think that they were put in positions to succeed a lot more um, effectively. By by Ryan Walters especially on that defensive side like guys like Keith Randolph is playing the right position like what he needs to be doing like I think you see like the impacts of what Devin Witherspoon can do in this scheme I think you could see Tony Adams be much more comfortable when he doesn't go into the coach's office every week and go wait so am I playing nickel or am I playing boundary or am I going to safety or am I oh I'm at free safety this week oh I'm going back to corner like and yeah. some of those things, like, it's just never made sense in the moment. And and now I think these guys are set up for success in a, in a little different way.
1: Yeah, I don't think this is, like, a great Big Ten roster. I think we all know that. Uh, I think it's got some depth issues at certain positions. And, you know, if you had another quarterback get hurt, if you have an offensive lineman get hurt, um, if you have another linebacker get hurt, like, there's just certain positions uh, that where I still think you feel concerned. But it did feel like there was a lot of meat left on the bone last year. And, and to be honest with you, I, I mentioned it before, but, like, the end of 2019, I felt like there was, you know, games th- those last three games. Like win one of them, makes it feel a little bit different. Uh, e- even after you made a bowl game, just to end with a winning record, how big would that have been? And let's and not talk about the beginning of the season where <laughs> they, they they missed uh, the Eastern Michigan game it was just uh, atrocious for them. So yeah, just about putting these guys in better positions to succeed. So wh- what do you you and I both picked them to lose to Nebraska in close games. I I was really on the fence throughout because I thought Scott Frost, I'm not, don't think he's a great coach. I do think it's pretty even talented. I just, Adrian Martinez concerns me and Ryan Walters had a great game plan for him and Adrian, you had some screw ups in that game. Uh, Does it change how you look at the rest of the season? That first win?
2: Absolutely. Because I feel like I was already penciling in as a loss. So now I feel like your ceiling is just, or your floor has just raised significantly. You know, I, I, I don't know why you can't be competitive for the next few weeks. Like the next few weeks are really interesting to me where you could kind of get some steam here, get some, get some momentum going and you know we can look at this Brett Bielema era and go there's not been many mistakes made well one of the things I want to see is I want to see him fail once and see how that goes you know what I mean and I, I'm I'm excited by like by this potential here because I think you have a game like I think this weekend's game against UTSA is no gimme at all this should be competitive I think they should be able to win it but I think this Virginia game too right like that's in two weeks do they have, or they have a bye weekend between
1: no it's uh it's next Saturday and, and okay. I, I see that one Isaac I, I'm kind of you know, I think Illinois fans are like, hey, this is our breakthrough of national tension. Well, it was about Nebraska, um, and, and I understand why. But if you get to 3-0, I think that's when people start turning their heads and be like, wait, Illinois three and 0 Going into a Friday night game against Maryland, then you win that, and people are like, oh my gosh, Brett Bielmo's got Illinois 4-0 and with three power right. five wins already. Like, I think that's when they become a national story.
2: And then Purdue and Charlotte are following right after right. that, and we both are down on Purdue, and Charlotte is Charlotte, right? Like, they're... Are, are they five and one? I predicted like, four I... and
1: two for the first six. So even though I had them in Nebraska, I had them four and two. Like this is a, a very favorable schedule. And especially now that you consider you beat Nebraska, who ah, Purdue, probably similar talent, probably better high end talent than Nebraska is to be honest with you with David Bell and, in George Karloftis and, you know, Milton Wright's really talented. Um, but you know, like Maryland's got Twala, um, who's, who's pretty talented, but up and down, um, they're really young. Yeah. Maryland's really young. They got talent for sure, but they're really young. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to say like Illinois beats UTSA, they're all of a sudden favored in all these games, but they're all going to be single point spreads outside of Charlotte who they should be double digit favorites over.
2: And, and for it's weird because like you kind of view, like you you have a coaching advantage in game situations now for the first time in a little bit. And and I think Bielema proved that, like just his his ability, to, his play calling, especially to, the double dip at the end of the first half to score and then to start the second half and go down and score, which I thought was really important. It's that's like what new. you always want to do in Madden. Like that's the go-to thing. And then to waste the clock and the calling the timeouts at the right times. It just says like competent in game coaching that we hadn't seen for a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I I think you have a really good chance that, like, you already see the fan base is like timidly, like, they're optimistic. Then you beat Nebraska and you go, okay, we got a really nice little team here, we might think. And we're kind of a little bit in. And like, you got a chance to really build on that here. That's why I feel like, this UTSA game is no joke, but especially that Virginia game. That feels like a really interesting game for them, where you can kind of change how we might view this Brett Bielema start, and where he can really garner a lot of, you know, a lot of favor because there's going to be some really tough games towards the end of the schedule when Wisconsin and Penn State, Iowa, and Northwestern, and and I, I think that Minnesota team is is sneaky decent this year too.
1: Wasn't able to get you before the season. Did you have any like player yeah. bold predictions for the Illinois team?
2: I I honestly like I thought that Reggie Love was going to be a part of that running back room. I didn't expect him to be that good right away. So that was kind of like one one of them. And then he's out and doing it. I I'm still a Seth Coleman fan. Like I still have like this little thought where there's going to be something there with him where he's going to have a breakout game or two. And I I wouldn't be surprised if he has a like like I feel I remember that like Isaiah Gay like freshman year Isaiah Gay had a couple moments. Well Coleman like, already had a
1: sack. He had a sack first right.
2: Yeah, I think I think Coleman's going to have a game or two where he can make a difference. And again, we talk about it again this scheme makes so much more sense for a guy like him so much more sense. And he's just set up in position to to succeed and use his speed and use his elite athleticism to be really successful. So I I think Reggie love and, and Seth Cohen were my two dudes. I I think another guy that I keep going back to is, is the Jafar Armstrong kid Mm -hmm. from Notre Dame. Like he's really intriguing to me, but this injury is weird. I haven't really said a lot of information. What do you know anything about this? Like I didn't even know he was hurt until like it came out. So I guess, I guess I should temper my expectations expectations for him until he actually starts practicing on a day-to-day basis
1: yeah i think that's still a weakness a position of weakness right like i, I, I think i mean isaiah williams I, I think both of us thought yeah he if he wants to play wide receiver he's gonna be pretty good at it. like i'm looking at wandale Robinson's stats over two seasons which was like 20 games there's like 90 receptions for about 900 yards i'm like yeah that, that, that's what isaiah williams i think can do for them it is a lot of what Juan Dale did and they just haven't had that kind of player and then i think you know luke ford what what a great debut um i love the play call to get him the ball right away like it's just, I, you know and that's what i think behelma does think of that stuff like what oh would, he totally gets what, it what would fire up people it's a pass to luke ford on first down yeah. now, now brandon could have gone anywhere with that ball but i think Luke was was kind of the main target. I didn't see him look away from him the entire time. Uh, but I no, I totally with you. Yeah, but I expect Daniel Barker to get involved more here too. Like I, I think those are three really good weapons. You're just looking for that outside guy. And with Brian Hightower hurt, I, I think that that mm-hmm. that's tough because we know Donnie Navarro's solid, right? Um, and Casey Washington, I think, is solid. Uh, not going to take the top off of defense, but um, that, that's still a position where it's like, okay, can they do it? And let's see Art Sikowski do it a second week in a row or whenever Brandon comes back. A quarterback still a question for me.
2: No, totally with you. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I felt like encouraged that they were able to be so successful offensively without Daniel Barker being featured because I think. I don't, I think, was it your bold prediction that he was going to lead this team in receiving? Like, I don't, I don't think that's a hot take at all. Like, I think that that's completely fair. And, and if you're able to win without him and you're able to do what you did offensively without really featuring him, I'm, I'm excited about that. Cause there's going to be times where Daniel Barker does what he does best and that's get down the seam and he has really soft hands and he's a matchup nightmare. So I do, I just, I feel like this team is just set up for success on both sides. I still have some questions about Tony Peterson's offense and how explosive it could be. Like, yeah. I'm not convinced that Art Sitkowski is absolutely going to be like, a massive game changer but they don't need him to be one and dude it didn't take much difference.
1: it didn't take much and I think it says a lot about Illinois quarterback play over the years for fans to say Art's the guy he, he's definitely the guy like I, I hey I'm intrigued and, and when they got him Isaac I know I talked with you about it, like I watched a film from Rutgers the last two years and I said there, there's some things there like he, he's not freshman year guy that got thrown to the wolves and had no chance of succeeding like, there, there's, some, there's some good things that he can do if you're expecting, you know, Wisconsin-style quarterback. Like, you're not expecting the guy to put your, you know, to be an NFL guy who can kind of put you on his back. Like, he can make solid decisions, uh, and he can throw the ball. Uh, but, it's, you know, can this offense unlock it, and can he be consistent? So, I think he can be solid. I think he's your multi-year starter, potentially. But, obviously, Brandon had a lockdown on this job forever. So, if he's healthy at some point... Um, I, I don't know. I'm just not in that conversation of does art start over Brandon until I see another really good performance.
2: No, yeah, hundred percent. And, and I don't, you know, shoulders are funky, especially it's not his non throwing shoulder. So I guess that makes a little bit of a difference, but I just, I put Brandon off until October. Like that's just been in my head. Like I'm like, he's probably going to need a, a whole month of September to get right. Um, maybe that Charlotte game against Octo- on October 2nd might be a time if, if there's still a situation where art hasn't really taken a stranglehold of the job where he can get right again before Wisconsin didn't
1: rule I, him out this week, which I, I think he did, but like I, he's like, I'm not ruling him out this week, but yeah, I mean, maybe in a couple of weeks, so he'll, he'll be back. But I mean, I, I think the overall point here is it's nice to have two guys that you feel like you can go in and compete with
2: hundred percent. And, and and you feel like you don't have a huge like disadvantage with quarterbacks. like there, I think we know you can do the quarterback tiers in the big Ten and Brandon and, and art are not top seven guys, I don't think but th- just their floor is so high like you and you don't need them to be like a put you don't need him to do what Adrian Martinez has to do for Nebraska to win. you know what I mean like that you just don't need that right now and I, I just like the utilization of the running backs like this is going to be a running team and you're gonna have chances to make plays down the field and art proved he can do it. Brandon, we know we've seen it happen in the past with him before, and we just have to see if they can they can really do it and stay consistent, whoever's under center, honestly.
1: So last year Illinois had the worst defense in the Big Ten. Like how how much can they how much better can they be this year, just with scheme change and a year of age?
2: Top eight? Is that unrealistic?
1: If they're top eight, they might win seven or eight games.
2: Like in the Big Ten, I'm saying. Top eight in the Big Ten. Yeah,
1: no, that's right. That's right. I think they could win like seven games in the big, like if, if you're top eight defense in the big 10, I think Illinois is finishing like fourth in the big 10 West at, at worst, which is a no yeah. doubt bull team.
2: Maybe that's a little bit too high. Maybe that nine to 10 range might be a little bit better. Like I think top 75 in the country, like you, like that, that would be really impressive. And you know, the moment, like, I think it was Jay Lehman that said it, he was like, God, like, I hope that Ryan Walters could stay around for a little bit. Cause he really liked that first thing. And I, I was like, oh, that's a little fast. Like to jump to that conclusion that he's like this rising star. Rod Smith and, was know, that two
1: years ago, right?
2: Right. Well, and we also had times like like I left that Nebraska game going like, God, like Nebraska was like a couple plays away from really like making this Illinois defense, like making the narrative around this Illinois defense much different, like much, much different. So I will, I would like to see what they do against better quarterback play. But I I just I just see, like, I just feel, again, I said earlier, I just think they're set up for success and this defensive line really intrigues me, like really intrigues me. Rod Perry is a dude. Heath Randolph is a dude, which we knew that when they recruited him, like that was a big recruiting win. And now he's showing it off. Johnny Newton, another big recruiting win. And now he's in a position to succeed. And then you have depth like Jamal Woods and Calvin Avery. You've, kind of wanted a lot from them or had to have a lot from them in the last few years, especially in preseason. And those guys are your fourth and fifth offensive lineman that you're bringing in. So when you, and then you add gay and Carney, like that, that, that addition to bring Carney back and get him out of the transfer portal is a sneaky, big, big move for this defense. So, and, you know, I think there is going to be a big drop off next year just because I feel like that this team, this roster is going to look so different next year. And I'm not, I'm not sure like how sustainable it is, but in the here and now yeah. you're old you're old at a lot of key positions. You have a lot of guys with a lot of snaps and now you have a defensive coordinator. That's not doing the same thing every single time.
1: Yeah. And, and that's why I've said like, Hey, Bielman needs to take advantage of this. Cause if he does, you could have like that Jeff Brom surprise first year of success. And like Brom did capitalize on recruiting. I know Brom's got to continue mm-hmm. that. Like they have, they've fallen off a little bit, but um, recruiting wise, like I know they haven't landed a bunch of four stars here, but Again, we talk about competence and like what they're doing in state. Uh, I can't tell you just talking with prospects, talking with coaches and parents, um, how much they love it and and how much it matters. Like the reason we talk about in state so much is because you get a couple in state kids, you're more likely to get the next ones. Right? That's why it's because it builds on each other. Yes, the kid in a vacuum in Florida or Texas is probably better the three star in Texas and Florida than it is uh, in Illinois for the most part, but. You have more likely chance to get the kid who's close to home,
2: and, and that first that first class that Levy got was headlined by Illinois kids. That was a reason why that group is pretty successful. You still have those pieces, especially on that offensive line, and just to go away from it was really uh, just was a head scratcher. Just didn't make a lot of sense.
1: It was probably one of the most surprising moments, and I'm not saying like this changed everything, but it it did change things. Like when Josh Sternquist got fired, I was like, wait, what? It's like the best recruiting class Illinois has had, you know, outside of Beckman's meganson Dre Brown year. I was mm-hmm. like, it's the best recruiting class they've had in a long time. And you fired the guy who kind of spearheaded it? it didn't make much sense to me. Um, and it portended for, you know, they had some big recruiting wins with Calvin and Marquez and Isaiah and Shimon and all those guys, but it just – I didn't understand it at the time.
2: Should we have known? Should that have piqued our interest a little bit? Should we have, like, really pushed that more that that was – a problem and they just some- I think
1: we talked about it. I'd have to look up my stories but I I remember I talked with Sternquist after it and we had a cute, I didn't a story on like and he was shocked by it um I I didn't understand it I didn't understand yeah. at the time and you know I think after they got you know Virtus and Calvin you're thinking okay and, and they get Marquez and Isaiah but just like the solid foundation you needed and you missed on so many in-state kids that have turned into really really good players elsewhere so mm-hmm. that and that's what's really hurt depth, and and I think we're going to see it, right? I mean, you mentioned it, like yeah. next year the roster loses a lot, and I think some of those recruiting classes, eighteen and nineteen specifically, some of the guys you could have had in state would have really helped.
2: Yeah, you know, one of the guys I think of is Nick Broker. I don't know if you've seen what he's doing at Ole Miss. He is a monster, like he is a beast. And you know, I don't think Illinois did a bad job recruiting him, but I don't know how. I, I think they could have done better. You know what I mean? And and he's gone down to, to SEC land and gone to Ole Miss. And I think he started right away, was a freshman All-American. And now he's in conversation to be a draft prospect. You put him on that offensive line right now. Yeah. Like you could move Palcho inside. Like he's probably right tackle. Like it's a pretty good group.
1: Well, let's bring this up, Isaac, because you and I, I mean, you were here when those recruiting classes were happening. Um, that staff, when they were recruiting, it felt like solo recruiting, right? It felt like, Buckus was the only guy recruiting this person. Or, you know, Corey Patterson was the only one recruiting this person. The most success they had was when it was Corey Patterson and Austin Clark going tandem with each other. And Thad Ward for a little bit before Thad went to Temple. Like that group was really successful together. Uh, or when Lovey went all in on a guy like Johnny Newton, right? Or Keith. Or Randy. Seth Coleman. Yeah, or Seth Coleman. Like they go yeah. all and you saw that whole staff go all in on a guy. Feels like the whole staff is doing that for every in state kid, especially. But, and that stuff matters, man. Like they want to feel loved all the time. And Brett Bioma is very involved. Uh, but every single staff member is involved in in most of these recruitments. And that's that's a huge change.
2: And that's why I think that just like you can just see like like our, my first impression of this Illinois staff was Gotten, it looks like they've done it before. Cause they have, cause they all have that background. And you know, that, that we expected that transition period to take a little bit of time for Lovey to maybe understand the recruiting game. And I, you know, I don't think he ever really got it. Like I, am confident saying that, like, I don't know if he ever truly like got it and understood what was going on or like, cared how to change
1: to... or wanted to change. Like I think he understood the recruiting game and then he was just like, well, I'm going to do it my way. Right. And then he pivoted towards a transfer portal said, Oh, we can find guys. Hey, there's enough talent out there for everybody. That used to be his thing. It's like, yeah, but there's like talent that you'd rather have. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. it, it, and, and that's the thing. Like,
2: you know, you don't, cause I, you know, I think Lovey had a lot of strengths and it, you know, I don't want to turn this into a lovey pod, but yeah. like there are, there were a lot of strengths. I felt like I genuinely liked him as a person until he called me that one time, but, <laughs> and then, uh, but like. It just felt like there were so many necessary steps that they just skipped. And it felt a little arrogant at times. And, And I feel like this staff comes in with a lot less arrogance. A lot less like they, they're coming in going, hey, we need to rebuild these things. Hey, we really we are trying to be um, really communicative with some of these teams, like maybe some of these high school teams that you've never even heard of. Like they just check the boxes. They care about some of those things. They care about Illinois high school football, which Illinois high school football isn't great on the national perspective. But you have to do that. Yeah. You have to do that when you're the coach of a of an Illinois program.
1: Yeah, it just feels like the chemistry. Is there with, with all the staff? Like, I mean, they, I know they say they love being around each other. I think they're being honest there. But I think Bioma, he's got a full staff meeting every day, like a couple times a day. Like, I think Lovey did that once a week, right? So, like, I think doing that, um, I, I think the staff is is all kind of pushing in the same direction, which has not always been the case with Illinois dating back to even the Tim Beckman staff. All right, let's take a quick break, Isaac. I want to talk about the Big Ten because I haven't really focused on that, but it's finally week one for the rest of the Big Ten. I want to get your thoughts now that you're covering the entire conference, really the entire country, uh, about the rest of the Big Ten. We'll do that next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast.
3: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
1: Uh, Big 10 games. I like this. I was kind of skeptical at first, Isaac, but I kind of like how we have Big 10 matchups in week one and some great ones. It's nerve wracking if you're a fan of one of these teams because you don't get the warm up. Uh, But I do think it adds a little bit of a wild card into college football that sometimes, let's be honest, like the NBA is a little bit predictable, especially with this run Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Oklahoma are having right now. Where It's like there's the halves and everybody else is just competing for a January 1st bowl game. Um, I I love these that we got Indiana, Iowa first week, right, that that we have uh, some big time Penn State, Wisconsin matchups. Here we go.
2: Yeah, no, I'm 100 with you. I like the I like just throwing teams into fire because I feel like we learn a little bit more about them. These games are really important early. Um, another sneaky game is Ohio State Minnesota is going to be a really fun game on Thursday. Like I'm excited that that's kind of like a standalone. I know Rutgers is really excited about their program. Like they've sold out that game against the host Temple on Thursday at 530 on Big Ten Network. So it's, it is fun. It is going to be really fun. I, you know, I think Penn State, Wisconsin easily is a headliner Two top 20 programs. But I think that Indiana-Iowa game is going to be very, very interesting because everything you hear out of Iowa is that that team is ready to take a big step forward. Like they they really like what they have going there. Like Tyler Goodson is obviously a really big stud. But the big thing that they, they are missing is that, you know, that you think of the strength of Iowa is in their line play they got some holes to fill on both the offensive line and the defensive line. So I'm fascinated by how that print transition process happens. And then you look at Indiana. When's the last time that Indiana has had the best quarterback in the big 10? Like you I name it. Like you can't like, it hasn't happened in a long time. And Michael Penix jr. Is a absolute stud and that Indiana team. And we talked a little bit about earlier with that Tom Allen culture. It, it They're legit. And if they go into Iowa and win that game, that's going to be fun. That's going to be really fun.
1: All right, if you had same odds uh, to win the Big Ten uh, quarterback of the year, would you mm-hmm. put your money on Pennix or C.J. Stroud, the Ohio Stroud. State quarterback? Yeah, <laughs> right. no. Like, I, I, I understand why. Stroud. Like Pennix was, I think, my number one pick for Big Ten preseason player of the year. No, I might have put Chris Olive. But I, I was like, I should just put the Ohio State quarterback because they're going to be unbelievable. I don't even know if we need to talk about them. Because they are just on another level, Isaac. Like, who do you think anybody can threaten them? Like, and, and no. if so, who?
2: No, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I don't think. I think the gap between them. Like, I I I was talking to somebody, and and I think I, we saw it on College Game Day, where uh, I think it was Chris um, Felica, the the Bear, was saying how he felt like the gap between Ohio State and the number two team in the Big Ten is like even bigger than the gap between Clemson and the second best team in the ACC. And I completely agree with him because you just look at this Penn State team and maybe that's a team that you could circle as maybe the second best team or, or Wisconsin. And I just still have major questions about Penn State. Like they have a new offensive coordinator in Mike Yurkic. Like, can you finally get the most out of Sean Clifford? Like, are you a, is Sean Clifford a, pro, a product of all the talent around him and he's yeah. kind of weighing him down a little bit? Or is he really talented? Just had a little bit of an off year and the inconsistencies last year are gone. So there's just a lot of these questions about some of these teams. Meanwhile, Ohio State, like you go through their entire starting lineup, four-star, five-star, four-star, four-star. Their offensive line, like I did a thing, like I think they had seven of their starters on offense were all like top 40 commits at their position, like or or in the country, I mean, not at their position, just in the country. And their worst ranked recruit is Chris Olave, the freaking Big Ten best (laughs) wide receiver who's a wide receiver one. Like that's, it just, it is just a different level, man. Like they are they are something
1: uh we just had the team tell it composite a 24 7 update and this stat is unbelievable ohio state leads the big 10 with 66 former four or five star prospects number two is michigan at 45 so 21 more than the next team penn state at 44 the number one team in the big 10 west you know who it is minnesota nebraska
2: interesting i love that
1: 23 four or five star prospects uh for nebraska and i think wisconsin's next at 18 in the big 10 west
2: but Uh, that's what i'm saying like it it, this is an uneven playing field and you just got to admit like you just got to embrace it at this point like I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen like some of the recruiting class that Ohio State just brought in, like these freshmen that they have. They have two of the top five defensive linemen in the country, so they they have holes on their defensive line holes, quote unquote, that they're filling with two top five commits in the entire country who are coming in. They have a running back that they think is already better than J.K. Dobbins coming in as a freshman. Their wide receiver room is already stacked with Chris Olave, and then they had like Garrett they go Wilson. get Marvin Harrison Jr. adding to that mix, another top. 50 wide receiver like they have two top 50 guys like there's a reason why Mookie Cooper bounced in a hurry because they just they recruit in a hurry on on in that wide receiver room I think Brian Hartline you could probably put up there is maybe the best assistant in the in the country maybe the like hands down the Big Ten but maybe in the country he's up there so just like you don't want to like spoil it but you know Ohio State's going to be in there could somebody beat them yeah because it's college football and things can happen but can they lose twice the,
1: probably not what probably yeah. can they twice? I don't I don't see it um. And yeah, man, like what they recruit is just absolutely ridiculous. And let's talk, I mean, Ryan Day, give him his, he's the best coach in the Big Ten. I know oh, he's got, I know he took over the best possible thing, but he has not only kept Ohio State up there. Like, you could argue he's recruiting even better than Urban Meyer was. So uh, a fantastic job by him. Like, I know it's a great situation, but that's tough to follow a Hall of Fame coach like Urban Meyer and to do it just as well.
2: Well, and then the in-game part of it for Day is he's an unbelievable play caller, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he might be the best play caller in the Big Ten, too. So, like, that that matters as well. Like, he, he is such a huge advantage. They crush that higher. And you know, I just I don't expect Ohio State to take a dip. Like, can they can they win a national title this year? Maybe. I still have some questions. Like we need to see it a little bit more. Like the quarterback thing is an issue. Like you gotta just see it at first before you really just anoint them in that conversation. And um, but I, I have no doubt in my mind that they'll be in a college football playoff. Like it would take something extremely drastic for them not to make the college football playoff and be in that competition for it.
1: All right. So who you selling stock in? In the big 10 like if you if, like it could be like hey indiana i don't think it's gonna be that good or i'm not buying wisconsin's big 10 west right like who are you who are you selling right now Uh
2: oh, i don't understand the hype around minnesota like i don't understand that like ryan burns is a great job covering that site but he had them at like nine and three and you know there's been other people that have talked about them potentially winning the big 10 west i I guess I just, I have a ton of questions about that defense. Like that defense was one of the worst units in all of football last year too. And it's like, are we just for sure they're going to come back and be good? Like, you know, and I've all, and Tanner Morgan and wasn't quite
1: as good. Last what? Year. Tanner Morgan wasn't quite as good last year. Well, I wonder why maybe when you don't have
2: Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson outside, <laughs> yeah. like there's a little bit of a difference. Like, like it just is. And they have, they have another big injury to a wide receiver. Chris Ottman bell is a really good player who might not be ready to go for the opener here. Like, and so, like, I like Mo Ibrahim, like their running back, he's a stud and like their offensive line is a, a, a good unit, like a very solid experience unit. And, you know, it's it pays off to have a quarterback that doesn't usually kill you and Tanner Morgan doesn't really kill you. But I just, I again, like Tanner, I, Tanner Morgan was a product of the absolute superstar weapons that he had around him. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. Like there's nothing wrong with that but like there's, we shouldn't be surprised that he takes a little bit of a step back when you lose a Tyler Johnson decides to go play for the bucks and is making big catches in the super bowl and Rashad Bateman's a second round pick for the Ravens. Like we shouldn't be surprised that they take, take a step back. So I just have a lot of questions about that defense. Like they'll run the ball. They'll be fine offensively, I think. And, and I, I just I just don't think that defense is going to really make them competent. I trust Iowa's system and I trust Wisconsin a little bit more. So they're probably the biggest one I'm selling.
1: I always felt like Tyler Johnson was the most under, under drafted guy I've seen in the Big Ten. I, I watched him for years. And I'm like that guy's a third rounder. Like at worst, like, I know he yeah. might not run the fastest, but uh, just goes up and gets the ball. So I think what was it fifth or sixth that that he dropped. <laughs> uh, I was like, man, what a steal! So Tom Brady gets to throw to him. Um, yeah. Is there anybody you're buying more than the others?
2: Am I wrong to like Michigan? Like, like- <laughs> all right,
1: give me. I'm going to do my take. Why is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat? Like, why? Why is he on the hot seat? Okay, I wrote this today in our digest. The guy in six seasons is 34 and 16 in the Big Ten. Okay, and he has four top 20 finishes in the AP poll. Uh, his predecessors, his two predecessors in seven years, were 24 and 32 in the Big Ten, one top 20 finish. In the AP poll. Like, what? what do they, who do they think they are? They're not Ohio State. And I think Trevor texted us yesterday. Harbaugh averages more wins per season than any Michigan coach. Now, you have to do, there's 12 games now. But still, like, he's been pretty successful there. He's just not Ohio State. It's been more Wisconsin or Iowa than Ohio State. And I don't know, like, that's not a terrible place to be. I know you want to do better but you fired Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if you're getting better.
2: You know, I saw this, uh, one of those, you ever see those motivational quotes or something? And it's like one of the biggest things of anger is unmet or unrealized expectations. And that's that's all it is there in Michigan. Like you can win a lot, but just they have these expectations are here, and and Harbaugh just isn't meeting those really lofty expectations that they've set for him, even though he's done a great job. And you know, I just look at their recruiting, and like you want to go toe for toe with Ohio State, they're the only team that's even in the conversation going toe to toe with them from a recruiting perspective. And I think they have major question. Like I, I'm not sold on their starting quarterback, Cade McNamara is the, is the, his name who yeah. who took the job. He's solidly serviceable, which, which is weird. Just, he's just a
1: which is weird because what? the one thing you thought Jim Harbaugh would be good at is quarterback. And that's been an issue the last couple of years. Like Shea Patterson was pretty good um, for them. And I think they'd love to have a guy like that back. And maybe J.J. McCarthy later this year or, or next year is that guy.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. Like he, McNamara is just a placeholder for for McCarthy to come in and do his thing. And I think A.J. Henning could be a big part of their team this year too. And that's another guy that Illinois fans know a lot about. and. You know, there's some funny recruiting stories that we can tell about that one at a different time, but he's going to be a big part of that. And they might not have, like, that big play, big dude on the outside like Michigan's had in, in previous years who's, like, ends up being a fourth, fifth, sixth-round draft pick. But I think they'll be good enough. And I think that defense has to take a step forward because it was so atrocious last year. I just I, – I, just. I have a hard time feeling like that Michigan team's really going to be that bad, but the big 10 East is tough because I think Penn state's going to be much improved. I think Indiana's going to be much improved and somebody's got to lose these games. So it feels like it's going to be a dog fight, especially in the big 10 East for second place.
1: (laughs) I don't want to tease everybody with that heading a little bit. Um, I I mean, that was, that was the month Illinois was going to land everybody right in the 2020 class. Yeah. Jaden Thompson. Um, who's the offensive lineman from, from Simeon that they had, um, Man, I can't remember his name now. Really good prospect. Went to Oregon. Um, flipped, committed to Illinois. You know, flipped to Oregon. Reggie Love was on board. Like at the time, Illinois fellows was getting AJ Henning, Mookie Cooper, um, James Lynch, Frenchie, Jalen St. John, James Frenchie. All of it, and it was going to be the breakthrough for Lovie Smith. It, it of course did not happen.
2: Shocking to absolutely nobody. <laughs> that was that. That was like it felt like the Lovey Smith experience. You have all these eggs in these baskets, and then the eggs just keep dropping out over and over again, and it just doesn't work out. And you get like two of them. It, it was weird. It was yeah. weird. But yeah, I do think that I do think AJ Henning's going to be a, a really nice piece for him this year. And, and again, like the thing with Harbaugh too is that like he has found a whole new staff. He completely revamped his staff, and I think that's one of the most underrated things in college football. If you get your staff right you got a chance and I think the staff might be something different and maybe something he absolutely needed and can save his job and and that Michigan team just they recruit too good to be as bad as they were last year
1: yeah is Northwestern going to be any good like they gonna be good
2: I'm out on them I'm out till I see it like like we have I you see some of these you know what that means
1: you know what that means though every time we're out on Northwestern they have like their best year
2: that is kind of fair, but we we should have seen last year coming with the amount of returning talent that they had. Like two years ago, like I this feels a little bit like two years ago, like the 2019 team that that beat Illinois. I don't know how they won that game against Illinois. They should not have won that game, but uh, that 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 team was three and nine, and that they I'm getting some 2019, but yeah, that 2019 yeah. vibes on that team. Like Hunter Johnson's taking over as quarterback and. Um, You know, maybe that's an Art Sutkowski type of thing. We should learn from Art Sutkowski where maybe your first impression of a guy is wrong. Like maybe, maybe after two years, guys can just get better and improve. Funny how college football works like that. So really, he's a really talented piece. Hopefully he's gotten a little bit better after a couple of years after a dreadful debut there in Northwestern. But I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't love that defense. They have to replace a ton on that side of the ball. And we give Fitz so much credit and you can, and that's totally fine to do that. And I think they have a high floor, but you have a lot of dudes that you're going to replace. And eventually you got to find some talent that you can recruit at a high level, like Speed Karansky is an absolute stud on the offensive line for them. I think he plays left tackle already as a sophomore, but you're going to have to replace those guys. Like they've had multiple year starters at linebacker and in the secondary that they have to replace. And that's just, that's easier said than done.
1: Yeah, I'm not too high on them. Like I think I picked them fourth. I think in the Big Ten West this year. I think I had Minnesota above them, which I didn't feel great about. But I just, I just thought Minnesota's got more proven uh, wide, mm-hmm. you know, quarterback, running back, um, offensive line. Even though Skaronski is as good of a, a tackle as there is in the country, um, in the secondary, I mean, they got Joseph back there. But Newsom being gone is is, is a major loss. Um, it's okay if I buy Penn State as the team that I think can. Take a huge leap. I know 0 and five to start last year was weird, but then they end with four straight wins. And if there's one team that can match up skill player wise, potentially with Ohio State, maybe not play caller, but uh, skill player wise, they have at the top end of its roster uh, a really talented group. And I think James Franklin's a pretty good coach. Like I, I think Agreed. it's that time where what's he seven years into that job now? Um, he's done a really really good job, and 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 they're you know they're starting to take that hey we can recruit with Ohio state um, the way they recruit, maybe not as many five stars, but they're, they're loading up there. So I'm really interested to see Penn state against Wisconsin. Cause I think we know what Wisconsin is. And I have the most respect for, for Paul Chris staff, especially Jim Leonard. Like I, I think that defense is going to be elite yet again. It's just, what do they have offensively, but it's kind of a contrast of styles there. I can't wait to see that game.
2: They're going to be tested right away. That Wisconsin defense is going to be tested. Cause again, that Wisconsin defense does have a few new faces that they're breaking in in that secondary um, but that Penn State – like, if you want to talk about wide receiver rooms, obviously Ohio State's in a class of its own. They have the number one wide receiver room in the country, now, let alone the Big Ten. The number two in the Big Ten is probably Penn State. Like, they have – and Illinois saw it last year. Their team speed is really, really – like, they put multiple dudes out there that run, like, four fours, like, at, at wide receiver. And that that's something Illinois could really use, and that that's the gap. That's the gap. Yep. And I do think that that Penn State team is, is one to rise. Again, I just keep going back to Clifford. like or, yeah. Like, I just – I'm not, I, I there was just way too many times was inconsistency last year, but you got a quarterback whisperer and Mike Yurkic, the new offensive coordinator there. who's done great jobs. He was at Ohio state. I think he was at Texas too. Like he's done a great job throughout his career. He's supposed to be the guy that's supposed to do it. And we hear that a lot throughout the preseason and we'll have to see it, but um, on paper, they have all the talent. And then, I mean, their running back room is just stacked too. So James Franklin, James Franklin does a really, really, really good job. Like I have, like if I was doing a, who, which court, which coach I would rather have, like he, he's probably second in the big 10 behind day for me. Like yeah. pretty, pretty fa- safely second in in that conversation.
1: Especially if you're saying like, who, who do you think can win a title? Like, mm-hmm. cause yeah, with Fitz, you're not winning a title. Ferrance, you're not winning a title. Chris, you're not probably winning a title. Um, yeah. It's probably Franklin. And then. i don't i don't know um you gotta get dude how about scott frost is he there for you well not not there i I wanted to ask you about that here in a second but um who are you taking in the west wisconsin iowa
2: yeah i have wisconsin for now i put wisconsin there one and then i put um iowa two i i think minnesota could be in that mix for three or or northwestern uh it's just it's it's just gonna be weird you know kind of seeing that middle of the pack and i think i think the product that you saw in the field from Illinois could potentially see, have them be in that conversation with North, like Northwestern, like you should compete with Northwestern. Like the day, the days of just getting trampled by them or them imposing their will on you constantly over and over, over doing everything they ever want against you. Those days should be over. Like, so you should compete in, 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 in that game against them. But I, I, I still just – I like that Wisconsin team. I think Mertz is set up for big success. Like, they have their two wide receivers back who got hurt last year. Sorry, my ice maker just made some noise. Okay. And then, um, you know, they, those two wide receivers are huge, and the running back room is, is really good. They got a Clemson transfer that won the job there, and then a freshman who was really good last year, Jalen Berger, who's going to be their number two. And that offensive line is good. That defense we already know is going to be good. They, I just have less questions about them than Iowa. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm putting Wisconsin there, and I think explosiveness for for Wisconsin could be on the way. Like I really do. Like we we might like we, I'd be I would not be shocked at all. If they put up some pretty interesting numbers offensively this year in year two of Graham Mertz.
1: And that's the thing about playing in the West when you're Illinois. Is that there's opportunity, man. Like Purdue's not good, Nebraska's not good, uh, Minnesota like obviously is way better. Like they got a higher ceiling with PJ Fleck, but they weren't great last year, right? They got some flaws. Um, and, and even Northwestern, I think this is a year where you could get them. Like I, I, it came down to my season predictions of that game, of course, is, is the bowl game play in. Yeah. And it's just like, I have the, like Fitz has won six in a row and most of them aren't close. So I'm just like, I've got to give the edge until I see it. Now, after seeing it against Nebraska, I might be like, eh, I might, I might've picked them to win that game. Now, if I look back on it, but, um, it's always week 12 and that's where injuries always play a role And depth is still a an uncertainty <clears throat> for Illinois.
2: That's the thing. Like, I I don't want to be a Debbie Downer about this Illinois team, but I'm really worried about the depth in certain certain spots. Like, on paper, it looks okay right now and everybody's healthy. And that's where maybe my a little bit of my fear is. But I do agree in this, West. Like, I think Illinois' roster is better than Purdue. Top to bottom. No question about it in my mind. Like, Illinois with Iowa is – should be comparable. Like you've played them decently well over the past few years. Like it's, it's time. Like it's time to, to be competitive with that team. Like I don't think that roster is like leaps and bounds better than what Illinois put out on the field against Nebraska right now. Now, will that be the same when they play later this year? We'll have to find out.
1: Over under new Big Ten football coaches. Notice I didn't say fired. I said new Big Ten football coaches in 2022. Mm-hmm. One and a half.
3: Over.
2: I would take the under on two and a half, but I'll take the over on one and a half just because I do think that, I mean, we talked about it. I I think Scott Frost is in trouble. I think everybody around that program uh, knows it. (laughs) 20 million
1: buyout. I mean, it's not my money, so I don't care, but it's just like, ouch, ouch.
2: Yeah, no, totally. And then like, I do think that there is like, you could like, what's stopping like James Franklin from getting poached? Like what's stopping some of those things from happening? And then I think you also have to look at Michigan. Like, they, you know, their expectations are so high. If they get, if they get trounced by Ohio state again, like, I mean, Jim Harbaugh's head's going to be on a picket fence. You know what I mean? Like they want, they want that. Like they're going to be out for blood like in that situation. So I just, I I'll take the over on that one. But I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised like, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan, like I said earlier, has a resurgent year and he stays, and maybe maybe Scott Frost gets it together a little bit. Because again, like I watched that game against Illinois, and there were moments where it just it looks really bad. But then I just wonder if he could get a quarterback because Adrian Martinez just has so many times where he just kills you with his decision making. But then Scott Frost opens his mouth and makes these dumb comments in post game press conferences or Monday press conferences that maybe give you a little bit too much insight into how unprepared they were. <laughs> I love and you. It. Go! No, I'm not, not going to
1: complain about it. She's like, Oh, yeah, oh, I'm not either. Like
2: I'm not either, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like he just is giving you, he's showing you like, and not hiding it that they were not prepared and ready to go. And that's just, that's not good.
1: He just had that's to listen to the Atlanta choir podcast to say that, Hey, I think they're going to run a four, two, five. Like apparently um, that was a huge thought that no one else was. Thinking. it was just like I don't know. Ryan Walters was hinting at it the entire off season. Uh, one, one name I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going anywhere and I don't think he should go anywhere. Cause I think he's, Really good for the program. He's elevated them. But if Jeff Brown went like 2-7 and in the Big Ten or 4-8 and overall or something like that, I think, I mean, he's making so much money. They're invested in him. And, again, the program is way better with Jeff Brown. But, like, after, like, three disappointing years in a row, it's kind of like, oh, maybe this isn't what we thought it was going to be under him. Like, we're not going to be, you know, what Minnesota maybe has turned into – Maybe we're just, like, fighting for a bowl game every year.
2: Yeah, that, that is definitely an intriguing game for sure. And, you know, I think Jeff Brom, like, maybe he's just an offensive coordinator. Like, that conversation has to be had. Maybe he just – like, that's where he's best at, and we're just not really sure about that yet. But, you know, we talk like, I don't think there's any a dra- more drastic switch between that high end of talent on a roster and then the, the gaping gap between the rest of it. Like, I – I don't know if they even have a dude behind like the top three guys, like we've talked about, like the Milton, Wright, Like the David Bell. And then obviously George Karloftis is a defensive end. But, and then I kind of like their quarterbacks, like they're, they're okay. They're fine. Like they're fine. But after that, like, can we name one guy like who would be an all big 10, like even like in the mix for all big 10, like it's, it's rough. Like it's rough out there behind that top end talent. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say I trust Purdue to make the right decision regarding that situation because they just, they don't get football hires, right? Maybe it's hard to win at Purdue and they got a little taste of it with Brom, but there's just, there's just something, something about that. Like if you, if you haven't used the portal, like to really just build up just the depth that you have there. And it's really that bad behind you. It just, it frustrates me if, if I was a Purdue fan or maybe in that for Purdue, like athletic director or like athletic offices.
1: Yeah. To me, it's like Purdue. Like usually you said wide receiver, they've been good. Carl Loftus is an absolute stud. Um, but then I look at like the back seven for them has been an issue. The O line has never been good there. Uh, the running backs, like Horvath was a pain for Illinois, but I don't think he was a big pain for anybody else. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just like, do they have enough pieces everywhere? And of course, Illinois had that problem. I think they could, like right. you said, if they have injuries. But it's just like, yeah, the, there's some top-end talent there. And of course, Rondale not being healthy really hurt them last year. They also year. had
2: that tight end that was really good, um, who won the Mackey Award. Why, why am I thinking his name? Bryce yeah, Bryce Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. yeah, like and like, they've had really high-end guys. It just, I don't... Like the defensive line has been not been great either. Like they ha- they just haven't been there. They just haven't had it. And I don't I don't really know how to decipher that because, you know, you look at what Jeff Brom is and you would think that he would be able to be really good on recruiting trail. It's just how personable he is with how, how like, how engaging he is, how his stylistic offense, like his best case stylistic offense seemed like it would be a really good fit there. And he just he hasn't been able to get it done on a yeah, big, big time stage.
1: The only other program I'd look at is like, when does Kirk Ferentz retire? But I don't think it's going to be next year. Mm-hmm
2: no and and i guess loxley could we could throw him in that conversation like if something happens but i i, I don't know i feel like he's recruited really well there i feel like the the amount of talent like that you understood the di- type of job he was taking over after the dj Durkin like saga that was awful um so i, I yeah i just i don't expect it and you know shiano's obviously not going anywhere they love him there like i guess maybe maybe shiano gets poached maybe but i just nah, don't see it
1: i think i think they're both really happy with each other and i think that's gonna be his last gig um yeah i go under i i think the frost thing probably happens because it feels like it's written mm-hmm. but maybe they win six seven games and, and they don't do it and they wait a year that schedule sucks for I know, them I, know, I, don't, I don't see it like, happening do
2: you know what my favorite stat is scott frost won 13 games in his last year at ucf and he's won 12 in three years in counting at nebraska how much, lo- of how, how
1: much? How much longer will we be able to say that stat? Like it's equal to? Is it three weeks? Four weeks? Because they're going to be fouring, uh, right? Like,
2: yeah. Let me pull up their schedule really quick. I, I want to. Then see, they get like, Oklahoma. Oh, like all right. Um, if I gave you Nebraska plus thirty, would you take that
1: to Oklahoma? Oh Yeah, that's a big number. <laughs> that's a really big number, but it is Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. I mean, but yeah, they, they'll probably beat Buffalo too, right? Yeah. So that'll only yeah. last for two more weeks, but.
2: We'll enjoy it for the next 14 days. We will enjoy the heck out of it.
1: I think Scott Frost should be three and two. Like Michigan State, a lot of people picking as the last place team. If you were mm-hmm. to Michigan State, I don't think he's coming back. Like I, yeah. I, just, I don't know if there's any coming back from a two and three start in year four.
2: Okay, so all right, let's pencil that in. Let's do some math here. So you beat Michigan State in Week Five. That means you're three and two after losing to Oklahoma. Then you have Nebraska or Northwestern at home. You should win that game. You're at home. You're Nebraska against the Northwestern team. You should win that game. But I are you penciling it in for sure? Probably no, not. Like, no. So you would have them losing that.
1: I think so. Yeah.
2: Okay. Three and three, Michigan. You're not winning that game. I don't, three don't and think four. so. Minnesota on the road.
1: I'll take Minnesota.
2: Three and five. I'll Purdue take, at home.
1: I'll take them at home against Purdue.
2: Okay. Ohio state. No, no chance. Wisconsin. No, no chance. Iowa. No, no chance.
1: That's four and eight. And maybe we give them Northwestern's five and seven, but yeah, I don't, you're not bringing them back then. Right. Like
2: no, no, you can't. four like, that years would be, without
1: a bowl. That did not happen at Nebraska. That's
2: so crazy. you're 12 and 20 entering this year. So that means you would be 16 and 28.
1: That's why it's so crazy they lost that game. That's why it mattered so much that they lost that game. So they looked at that schedule and said, guys, we don't have many opportunities for six. Like we we just, I mean, with Michigan, Ohio state, Wisconsin, Iowa on the schedule, we just don't have many opportunities to get there. And they got two givens I would imagine with their non-conference, but like there's not many others on there. So man, yeah, like it it could get ugly and usually it doesn't get ugly. They're usually nice in Nebraska but I get why they're so frustrated with this coach cuz it feels like they just have a coach who has a coaching disadvantage every yep. time they're out there.
2: But it's weird because you read some of the Nebraska writers and they go no, they're definitely not getting rid of him. No, they're definitely not going to get rid of him. And I wonder how much that conversation changes in the next couple months. Like cuz like that that Ohio State game is going to be ugly. That's going to be really ugly. i have a feeling that Wisconsin game could get really out of hand on the road. And yep. then if they Iowa's make a really bowl,
1: if they make a bowl they won't fire. If they make a bowl they won't fire him. If they uh, so that's a low bar, but after losing to Illinois, it's a hard bar to, to get over at this point. So, um, I mean, $20 million is a lot of money. I don't think Trev Alberts wants to do it, but, man, if you fire him, you better have a good one coming in. And, and that, that's what would be the interesting conversation. Are, are they good enough to go steal a Matt Campbell from Iowa state. Now that the big 12 is dissipating, I like, got is Chris Kleeman. Could they steal him from Kansas state? Or um, do they go, you know, get somebody else? I, I think that's the kind of guy you need. You need. To, I think the days of thinking Nebraska is a blue blood that's going to out recruit everybody to Lincoln. is probably not going to happen. I think you need a program builder. You need to model yourself after what Wisconsin and Iowa and what Illinois are, are trying to do.
2: And it's weird. Again, it goes back to those expectations. Just the the lofty expectations that you have in Michigan are some of the same that they have in Nebraska, and it's just not meeting there. But the weird thing is, is that this year they were fine with the bull game. They'd have been fine with it. Yep. And he can't even
1: get up to that par. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else you want to hit on? Big Ten, Illinois, otherwise?
2: Um, buy your stock in Seth Coleman. Um, I'm scared about this Illinois secondary. Joey Wagner's hair looks extremely good these days. Yeah. Derek Piper, extremely good at picking football games. Yep. And I miss Lante. That's it.
1: That's a good way of wrapping things up, man. We miss you around here, but it's nice to have you back. We'll have to do this every once in a while. Catch up uh, every couple weeks or every month or so, man.
2: Sounds good, man. Anytime.
1: Great catching up with my guy, Isaac Trotter. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I know a lot of you guys loved... Reading from Isaac, hearing from Isaac when he was a part of our crew, and he was still a student at the University of Illinois. Uh, then I was so proud of him to go get that newspaper job, get out in the real world for that year and a half. It's kind of what I did, um, but I think that teaches you a lot. But to come back to 24 7 sports and do it on the national desk, uh, he's going to do great things there. And I, I told those guys when they asked me about Isaac, uh, hire him and you won't regret it because he's going to work his butt off and, and he's a talented guy. So uh, happy that he's part of the family yet again. And uh, we'll bring him on here. Uh, Every couple weeks or so. So you guys can get um, your head of Isaac Trotter every once in a while. The Trotter takes that he wants to put on you. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Thanks for listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast as always. Give us a follow if you don't already. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and review if you haven't done so already. If you can just take a couple seconds to do that, it always helps us. Uh, We really appreciate when you guys do that. And we really appreciate when you support the site. And that includes not only listening to this podcast and going to the site, but subscribing to us as well. And if you don't subscribe to us, you always can uh, just $1 for your first month. Uh, so if you want to try us out, that's the best way to do it. Um, and we really appreciate the support. This last month especially, you guys have been awesome. Um, 24-7 Sports has taken notice, and you guys really stepped up in a big way in the last month. And We can't thank you enough because we enjoy what we're doing. Uh, we really try to give back as much as we can, Give our all into this job uh, and have your guys support. has been nothing but amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Take care of each other. We're hoping to maybe squeeze one more pod with a special guest before the UTSA game. But if not, have a great weekend. Have a great Saturday night. And we'll catch up with you after the UTSA game with some post-game reaction. But everybody take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.